0: All right, so our text, it's Proverbs uh, 1, 1 through 7. The word of God says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's, uh, let's ask God help here father the world offers us a path and they call it wisdom everywhere we turn there are people saying follow me this is the right this is the wise way everywhere everywhere and that can be super confusing and so father we come to you so grateful that you have shown us what true wisdom is And Lord, I pray as we begin to press into that this summer, that we would seek with all of our hearts to be wise, to turn to you, to trust in you, to follow the ways that you've lined out for us, believing you, hoping in you. Father, I pray that you would work here among us this morning. I pray that your spirit would be moving in our hearts as as, as we ponder your word and compelling us with your wisdom. I pray that the sermon that is heard and that you apply by faith to the hearers would be better than the one that I've prepared. I pray that you would do more than I expect by your grace and in your mercy. And Lord, I pray that the gospel would be clear too. And Lord, if any of us are, those of us walking on a path that's not wise, I pray today, Father, you would help us to see that by your grace So we might turn from that to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've had the joy of uh, teaching four different people how to drive a car. Have you ever taught someone how to drive a car? I mean, it is joyful. (laughs) I think, you know, it's just what, like for a guy like me with, you know, borderline OCD tendencies or whatever. Teaching others to drive has just been what the doctor ordered, you know, like it's, uh, I learn patience, I learn I'm not in control, I have no brake pedal, um, those kind of things. And I'm sure that those four people whom I've taught how to drive consider it a great joy that I was their teacher. <laughs> uh, and maybe I'm just prepping here. I've got another one to begin teaching soon, but and two more to teach, but or more, I don't know. But anyway, here's how I do it. I start with, like, uh, pastures and gravel roads, you know what I mean? Like, let's figure out how the car works, how you turn, what pedals do what, all that stuff, uh, where nothing will die. And we do that for a while on gravel roads, slowly on gravel roads, right, pulling over when there's a car, like, on the horizon. And then later, we graduate to real concrete uh, in town, And slow, right? And then highway speeds, then faster and faster, you know, we go until I finally teach them how to pass another car. Anyway, that's what I do. And uh, it's fun. You know, somebody can learn how to drive on their own, maybe. Maybe. You know, they could just watch what other people have done and maybe just grab the keys and get behind the car. They could try anyway, right? You could try to learn how to drive a car on your own. Your learning might be full of costly mistakes, though. Like, really costly, right? You might hurt yourself. You might hurt somebody else. The risks are pretty high to go it alone. So training and instruction is safe and wise. And the student who acknowledges their need to learn to drive, like, knows that I don't know how to drive. I need somebody to teach me. I don't know the road. I need somebody to show me how to navigate that. That's good. That's right. We need that. And that's the quickest and safest way. You, you probably know where I'm going with this. Learning to drive a car is a lot like learning how to do life. You, you can try to figure this out on your own. You can try. You can try to figure this out on your own. Be this independent spirit. Just take the keys. Go do what you've seen others do. Go do what seems right to you in your own heart. Right? Just follow that light, that inner light. It's not the best way to do it. And you'll likely get hurt or worse. You'll likely hurt others. In fact, the dangers are much higher than just crashing a car. The dangers of doing life like that are much higher than simply dying in a car crash. Instruction is what we need. We need someone who knows how the, the, the car works, right? Right? and who knows the road and the right road to be on. We need that. And who will graciously sit beside us and say things like, this is the way. The Proverbs are a wonderful driving instructor for this life. Proverbs are God saying, get the keys, let's go for a spin. I want to teach you how to be on the right paths and walk rightly on them. And you can try to be that guy who knows it all. How hard can that be, right? But you will crash doing that. And again, all of eternity is at stake. Lord willing, we're going to spend the summer in this awesome book, the book of Proverbs. And our aim is to let God teach us how to navigate this life well for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own good. So this text is an introduction. Like what I just did was kind of introduction. And this text is an introduction to the book of Proverbs. You know what introductions do, right? You know what they're for. An introduction of a sermon is to try to tell you why you should listen, why now is not a great time to take a nap, why now you need to be listening, why this is important, whom this is for, all of those kind of things, why we should pay attention. Uh, That's what a sermon introduction is. And that's what verses one through seven are to Proverbs. These verses tell us what What we should expect from this book, like what this book is all about, why we should be interested, why we should pay attention. And that's why we're pressing into this this morning. That's what we're pressing into this morning. My hope is that you will not only be interested in Proverbs and this series, but that you will see the massive importance of God's wisdom shining on your life. And seek it with all your heart this summer, even even this morning. Verses 1 through 6 tell us what Proverbs are and who they are intended to help. And then verse 7 gives us kind of a, a launching off point for what the book is, is, is intended to accomplish in our lives. And that's how we're going to walk through this, okay? So uh, the fundamental premise of, of doing life well is fearing the Lord. That's the launching point. And what we'll do is we'll first talk about the purposes, and then that foundation Verse 1 tells us that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Now, Solomon's the main author. There's other guys who wrote Proverbs in here, but he wrote enough of these that the collection in Mass is called the Proverbs of Solomon. But what is a proverb? What is a proverb? A biblical proverb is not exactly uh, the same as just how we would use the word proverb in English, okay? Like a proverb in English, we know is like a, like a uh, I mean, if you Google it, you're going to find something like a short, pithy saying. Uh, stating a general truth, stating some piece of advice, right? That's what a proverb is. Uh, So something like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. That's a proverb. Um, The enemy of of my enemy is my friend. That's a a proverb. Um, Never accept a ride from a three-legged camel. That's a proverb I invented. It's very helpful. Proverbs, as we commonly think of them. But here's the deal with those kind of proverbs. They're different. They're, they're, they're fundamentally different. Those kind of proverbs are sourced in what we call common sense. Right? Like you hear it and you're like, yeah, right. That's, that's right. That's right. My, my inner light says that's right. <laughs> so that must be right. That's what earthly proverbs are all about. They feel right to us. Biblical proverbs aren't like that at all. They often go way against our grain like the rest of the Bible. Proverbs reveal things to us that our inner light doesn't reveal and cannot reveal. Proverbs basically say, don't trust your inner light. It's deceptive and wrong. and will lead you astray. And the reason that is so is because the Proverbs come from God, the creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of all that is. Proverbs aren't merely pithy truisms. They are God's instructions for doing life well and that's different proverbs are not merely common sense in fact they're uncommon sense they're divine sense i mean that's the grace of them right like this is god saying this is the way that's what we're looking for that's what everyone's looking for everyone's trying to figure out how to do life right and we're all looking in all these different ways. How do you do life right? We're looking for the good teachers that sound right, that sound good, that seem to know what they're doing, that maybe have accomplished something. And we want to pursue that. This is God saying, This is the right way. Follow me. That's why we need Proverbs, uncommon sense, divine sense. So why do we need Proverbs in our lives? That's what verses two through six teach us. And I, I want to maybe go through that by making four observations together about the purposes of Proverbs. Like what these, what these are intended to do as you apply them to your life. First, we can see clearly from these verses that Proverbs have to do with both truth and life. Not just knowing truth, like not just knowledge, but the skill to apply that knowledge to your life. So it has to do with truth and life. Knowing truth and doing life. One is knowledge, one is wisdom. And you can see those two words in verses two through six, two of the most common words in Proverbs, knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom isn't the same as knowledge. You know that, right? Wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Knowledge has to do with knowing true things. It's important, it's foundational, it's crucial, you have to know things. but Wisdom has to do with applying those things to your life so that they shape the way that you live. You can know a bunch of stuff and not be wise. We have all seen very foolish people who know a lot, can retain a lot, can recall a lot of facts very quickly, reliably, and on just this wide spectrum of subjects. But their lives show that they lack the skill to put that and action in their life. They lack wisdom. So wisdom and knowledge are not synonymous. You cannot be wise without knowledge. I don't believe that you can be wise without knowing the truth. But you can certainly be knowledgeable without being wise. Wisdom is the skill to rightly apply knowledge. And we need, we need to learn those things. You can see that here. The truths we need To know is knowledge. And we need to know and learn how to apply that rightly. And we call that skill wisdom. Proverbs is all about truth and life. My second observation, that's the first observation. The second observation is that Proverbs is meant to be a book that is useful both for our own learning and also for our teaching of others. This helps me both to learn myself. Like I want to learn and grow as a person. I want to learn and grow. This book is meant to teach me And I want to help other people to learn and grow. And this book is massively useful to that end. I need Proverbs to learn and I need Proverbs to teach. This is a great manual for discipleship, for biblical counseling. This is a treasure chest full of helpfulness in Proverbs to help other people. The Proverbs have a lot to say about things like teaching children and reproving scoffers and those kinds of things. The word instruction comes up a lot, comes up in our text, comes up a lot in Proverbs. In fact, 30 times instruction means to teach or discipline or rebuke or train or exhort. That's what Proverbs do and that's what they're for. So my point in that, in no small way, Proverbs is about discipleship. The Proverbs are useful for both learning and teaching. My third observation is that there is something for Almost everyone in Proverbs. You can definitely see that in verses two through six. There is meat for the simple and for the young. There is nourishment for the wise and for those who have understanding. This means that this is awesome material for teenagers and for children. And just as awesome for senior citizens. This is good for someone in the fourth grade and someone who has a PhD this is helpful and good for the brand new Christian, right? The, the baby Christian. And it's just as helpful for someone who's been at it for 30 years. This is an amazing book and good for you parents and good for you children. It helps the teacher and it helps the taught. It counsels the counselor and the counselee. The pastor needs proverbs as much as the rancher, the missionary as much as the mom, the doctor as much as the patient. This has something for everyone, almost everyone. Everyone, but I'm using the word almost because I'm going to make a point with that almost in a bit. This has something for everyone. For the simple person, it gives prudence. It gives it helps you to see things not so like not so two-dimensionally. To the youth it gives knowledge and instruction. To the wise, it, it helps you to increase in learning. To the, to the one who understands, it gives guidance. There's something for almost everyone in Proverbs. And they're intended for almost everyone. My fourth and final observation is that Christ is the beginning and the end of wisdom. Christ is the beginning and the end of the wisdom and the knowledge that's found in Proverbs. In other words, there are many principles and truths that if unbelievers in the world who don't know Christ, who don't know Jesus, apply, they would have some benefit. I won't deny that. There'll be some benefit. I mean, you you, you just think about the teaching on laziness and thrift and and those kind of things. If you, you apply those, you'll see fruit from that. But Proverbs are not merely truisms intended to help us succeed. They're far more than that. The full realization of any truth in Proverbs comes through Christ. Christ is the end of Proverbs. They all point to him. So from Proverbs, I can learn, even as an unbeliever, again, principles about work or marital fidelity or truthfulness or teachability, and the measure in which I apply those truths, I will receive some benefit. They will help me to do life better. I'm not denying that. But the Proverbs find their full realization in Jesus Christ, who himself is the wisdom of God. And I know that from this passage, and I'll show you that in a, in a moment. But I also know that by how the New Testament reveals true wisdom to us. Listen how Paul put it in a few different places, but 1 uh, uh, Colossians 2, 2 and 3. That passage says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ's, you see, see that's how that works? In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hidden and revealed in Christ. Therefore, if we are putting our efforts towards understanding the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Proverbs, we are putting our efforts ultimately to know what is hidden in Christ and revealed by Christ. And listen to another passage. 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31. Check with me here. Same, same vein. This is really good for us. It says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So, Our study of Proverbs this summer, we're not just trying to like figure out a bunch of like pithy sayings that could help us. These aren't just life hacks, friends. It's not all that they're trying, that that God wants to do in our lives through these things. We have not truly, we have not, we have turned to the Proverbs to learn more than truisms. We have turned to learn Christ. Wisdom without Christ is not wisdom. Wisdom without Christ is not wisdom. It is folly. We have come to learn Christ, and Proverbs points us to him, and to his sinless life, and to his substitutionary death, and to his triumphant resurrection, and to the life that we can live only in him. The Proverbs call us to faith in Christ. In fact, they do it explicitly. The Proverbs call you and me explicitly to faith in Christ. Proverbs 3, 5, for example, famous verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's not a generic call to believe in God. This is the Bible and the New Testament reveals wonderfully what that call is. It is a call to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. This is how you'll be wise. You trust in the Lord. And as I said, I think that truth bears out even in our text. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That, that verse pushes us to see better what it means to really press into Proverbs and to do life well. Right at the beginning or the threshold or the foundation of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, the, the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh, the fear of Jehovah, fearing the Lord, that's this this humble posture that bows before the Lord that in reverence and obedience submits and defers and trusts in him and 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 that desires him and his pleasure above all things. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom, too. Proverbs 9:10 repeats everything, it just uses a different word. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. So if we want to know truth, and if we and have that truth shape our life, right from the start, we must fear the Lord. We cannot understand or apply Proverbs fully outside a genuine fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the lens through which we have to read all of these wise sayings. As one writer put it, the fear of the Lord is to knowledge and wisdom as the alphabet is to reading, or as numbers are to math, or as notes are to sheet music. You cannot understand words and sentences if you don't know an alphabet. You can't read if you don't know the alphabet. You can't even start with math. You cannot even get started with math if you don't know numbers. And in the same way, you cannot even begin to understand knowledge and wisdom without fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's why I can say that the Lord Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end of Proverbs. The Proverbs point to him, stand upon him, find their fullest meaning in him, and he is the threshold of true knowledge and true wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And that is super practical, friends. This is not just like academic theology. I don't turn to a proverb and just think pragmatically. I'm reading it wrong if I'm only thinking pragmatically. I don't turn to Proverbs 6, for example, and conclude that since it teaches there, don't be lazy, that I'm going to get the lead out with my productivity and then my life will be good. That's pragmatically reading that, right? I'm, going to, I'm, I'm just going to be a go-getter and I'm going to, that's pragmatically reading it. I, I want a lot of money, so I'm going to work really hard. A lot of people think that. No, I approach Proverbs 6 and the other Proverbs about work versus laziness and understand the value of the labor of my hands is that my life is hidden in Christ. I cannot waste this life with sloth or a lazy approach to the tasks before me or with a posture that acts as if nothing matters because Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything matters. If Christ is my life, it matters how I spend my day. It matters my whether I have ambition for the work before me or whether I put it off. Do you see? Christ is the beginning and end of Proverbs. So let me just pull those observations together and maybe give us something to think about. Proverbs are about knowing and knowing truth and living life. It, it is about knowledge, knowing right things, knowing truth. And it is about wisdom, the skill of applying that truth to our lives. The Proverbs are useful for learning and for teaching. We turn to these to help us know how to do life as a parent. And then it teaches us how to be parents to our kids. You see? Good for teaching. It's good for discipleship. It's good to grow in the Lord. And the Proverbs have something for almost everyone. The, the, pro, the Proverbs help the simple people have prudence and the wise people grow in their understanding. We do not outgrow God's wisdom ever in this life. You never graduate from Proverbs, ever. There are always, there's always meat to be had in Proverbs for your life. And we are never too simple to realize that we don't know what we need to know and we're never too simple to turn to the Proverbs for help. We don't outgrow it. And we're never too simple for it. There's something for everyone here. And Christ is the beginning and end of Proverbs. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. The incarnation displayed the wisdom of God for us in living flesh and blood. When Jesus was born, wisdom came to dwell with us. And the life of Christ, the the teaching of Christ, the teaching of Christ helped us to see wisdom or hear wisdom with words. I mean, we've been pressing into those words all year on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And his example, the example of Christ's life displays his wisdom. The death of Christ showed us God's wisdom toward us in love and his redeeming purposes, the wisdom behind God's redeeming purposes. His resurrection shows us God's wisdom triumphantly. His wisdom reigning victorious and defeating death and sin forever. And only those who have been transformed through faith by the power of Christ's death and resurrection can fully benefit from the knowledge, from the treasures of knowledge that are, and wisdom that are offered here in Proverbs for everyday life. Only those who fear the Lord, those who look with faith and reverence and awe at the cross of Jesus Christ, only those can truly and fully be helped by Proverbs and they call us to look to Jesus by faith alone. The fear of the Lord is to wisdom what the alphabet is to reading and what notes are to music. You cannot know wisdom without knowing Christ. I've said twice now, I've said a bunch of times I guess, that Proverbs offer something for almost everyone. And I should explain why I keep saying the word almost because it sounds wrong and in a way it is wrong. There is actually something for everyone It's not a totally correct way of saying it, but if you look at the end of verse 7, you will see what I'm getting at. Knowledge and wisdom and prudence and insight, all these good words that we want, they are not available for fools. Not why they stay in their foolishness. Right in the introduction of Proverbs, we have a serious warning that's going to repeat itself many times over. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, There's nothing here for you, nothing in Proverbs that will benefit you if you are a fool. There is something here for you though. There's a massive warning to stop being a fool. So let's just get into our heads what a fool is. A fool is one who thinks that he does not need God's insight in his life. He does not need wisdom or instruction from God. A, a, A fool thinks he doesn't need it. He yawns at God's wisdom. He thinks it's not slick and cool or the way that everyone else is doing it. It's for the religious maybe, but it's not for me. He yawns at God's wisdom that's revealed to us in his word. And he thinks it's unsophisticated. A fool is one who trusts in himself and not in God. A fool is the one who looks to his inner light instead of the one who is light. And there is nothing here that will help him except for the warning to stop being that. And the invitation to stop trusting yourself and start trusting true wisdom. Start trusting the Lord. You know what this is like, and it's kind of repeated all, this idea of the fool, the picture that's painted. I'm going to use a stereotype that will have the potential to offend a few of you here. Don't let it, just hear me out here. It's like the stereotype we have of a teenager who refuses to listen, who stops up his ears until he crashes the car or he flunks out of school or he gets taken home by the police and all because he will not listen. Now again, if you're a teenager here, don't be offended. I I don't think that stereotype has to be true for you at all. Not at all. I don't think you should let that be your bar what the world thinks about you, teenagers. You can be wise. You can fear the Lord. You can pursue him. You can love insight and instruction and wisdom. And by the way, you're mentioned in verse four, there is something here for the youth. But that stereotype, regardless of age, that can be us, that can be me. I'm pushing 50 years old and that can be me. I can stop up my ears and let my pride keep me from seeing wisdom, from hearing. Pride is what keeps our eyes off of Christ and on ourselves. Pride is what keeps people trusting in themselves and the way that they form for themselves in this life. And pride keeps us foolish. There's a great warning here. Lay down the pride and turn to Christ by faith. There's a warning for me. Fear the Lord, Mike. Don't, don't go through this life. Don't go through this day thinking that you have this all figured out. You need me. You need my wisdom and insight, the Proverbs say. Don't be a fool. Great warning here for us. And I want to hear it. I don't know about you, but I want to hear that warning. I don't want to be the guy who despises wisdom and insight, knowledge and insight. I am so excited to go on this journey through Proverbs with you, brothers and sisters. Our aim is knowledge and wisdom and insight and prudence for our lives, for our church, even even for the world as we proclaim the good news of the gospel to the nations the true wisdom of God that we preach and proclaim. May God, by his grace, help us so that the Proverbs land in our heads and our hearts and, our, and absolutely shape our lives. Now, I just want to give one little final call for you so that you just consider this personally for yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for myself too. I did this this morning before the Lord. Do you see your need for wisdom in your life. Do you see your need for God's wisdom to shape the way that you live your life? Do you see that? I mean and don't think just really generically here. Do you see your need of God's wisdom for your career? For the path that you're on? Do you do you see God's the, the need your need of God's wisdom for your marriage? And for parenting your children? Do you see your need for God's wisdom for your eternity? For how to do this life well in such a way that leads you to Christ eternally, forever. Christ is God's wisdom. And I pray that we would see that by faith, that we would fear the Lord. He's the one who knows the car, guys. He knows it. All the way through. He knows the road. He knows the path. He knows where you need to go. And he has graciously revealed that wisdom to you so that you can know that too. Let us be wise. And let us turn to the Proverbs with all of our hearts so that we might be wise. Lord, I pray First and foremost, that your gospel would not be lost on any deaf ears this morning. That we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ would rejoice that you have turned fools into people who are wise by your mercy and by your grace. And that those who still don't know you would turn and trust in you today, would believe would realize and just see, maybe from their lives, maybe just from the way that the things are going in their life, that they need your wisdom, they need your way, and that they would turn to the way that they would turn to Christ today. And Lord, I pray that as we walk through this this summer, you will radically shape us as believers, even as a church, for your glory. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.